this is a, a live studio. Super excited to have my buddy Nick, uh, Nick Foles, who played uh, Super Bowl quarterback <laughs> for the, uh, I believe it was Melody Workman, will kill Eagles. me right now. The Philadelphia Eagles, uh, who just recently got traded again. No, you're the Hispanic Nick, and yes. your last name is? Ovaye. 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 Something Ovaye. Like and this is Tammy Brown, uh, my first partner for the last 24 years. So I was in a, a Skype call with our governor this week, and he referred to his wife as the first partner. So I thought that was interesting. First partner. First partner. Not first lady, first partner. So welcome to California for everybody who's tuning in to my first partner and Nick Ovaya. So today, uh, if you guys have any questions for us, would you drop those in the comments? Um, would you also share this with a friend? Because I know a lot of people are probably asking uh, some of the same questions. Is this the end? And you know, we're in a series called Signs, and so we'll have some questions about that. But could you walk us uh, just through uh, the series? Like, wh why did we choose this series? Uh, you know, why now? Yeah, so, well, I mean, you know, I think that it's it's good for us to be aware. Many of you are not aware that Jesus Christ is returning, and so that's why I really wanted to hit on the fact that he will return physically, uh, he will return publicly, and um, he will return miraculously. I mean, that's I know that's not my points, but that's really what I wanted to communicate to you this week. And some of you who are Christians, you didn't know that, you've never studied that. Kind of last times or end times theology's kind of got, gotten in the backseat. I would say it was kind of at its peak uh, in the 1970s, and then it, it was elevated again in the 1990s, early 2000s during Y2K, uh, the Left Behind series, and it got all kinds of attention, and it's kind of gone to the backseat. And so regardless of whether it's popular or not, Christians need to be aware of what the Bible teaches, not what's current, not what's popular, but what does the Bible teach? And so that's why I wanted to do this. And I think that it's important that we're aware, especially when you know we're all aware of, okay, life doesn't last forever. We're not guaranteed tomorrow, uh, it, despite all of our technology. Um, you know, I was listening to um, an evolutionary psychologist who literally said, there are three great evils that humanity has fought since the beginning of time. War, famine, and disease. And he said, we've conquered all three. Well, <laughs> clearly we have not conquered disease. Uh, we've been able to manage food. Uh, and thank God we haven't had a major world conflict in about 75, 80, 85 years now. So, uh, but uh, the reality is we still uh, can fight for our lives instantaneously if something breaks out. And so I wanted to talk about this so that you're ready uh, and you understand what the Bible teaches you and what you need to know about the future. And so uh, next week, we're going to get into specifically what Jesus says about the end times. We're going to look at Matthew 24, and he gives us some signs to look for. And then we'll kind of wrap the series up with uh, what Jesus says we need to be doing in the meantime, uh, how we need to be faithful and, and how we need to be diligent until he returns. So, um, Well, and the thing is, is that this question has been the number one question people have yeah. been asking Matt and I since the start of the stay at home. And so the the fact that that question keeps rolling in on every format we have, our friends, our kids, our kids' friends, yeah. um, texting us, direct messaging us, emailing us, is this the end times? Um, just was like, well, let's, let's have that broader conversation. Instead of having it a thousand times privately, let, let's have that conversation once. Yeah. So that was it. And so like I said, I think a couple of weeks ago when it was first asked, we've been in the end time since Jesus left. So uh, really since Jesus became, you know, became it came the first time uh, born of the Virgin Mary and appeared to us, that signaled the end of time. It's ushering in the end of time. The kingdom of God is coming. And so we need to be aware of that, but we need to be hyper aware today and we need to be ready and we need to be paying attention. Really good. That's awesome. Uh, I'll start with a question that, that we got in from uh, some Instagram questions. Yeah, thank uh, you, by the way, for all your Instagram questions. Mm -hmm. We got tons. And a lot of them, they, they feel like they're kind of the same. Um, so uh, Justin Hickson says, if our souls go to heaven when we die, how do the bodies raised from the dead when Christ returns? Do the souls come back from heaven into our bodies? Is this where some people get the idea that our souls are in purgatory until Christ's return? Yeah, so there's a lot going on there, Justin. Thank you for your question. Um, and so really what happens, what's happening there is, is there's a convergence of theology. So purgatory is a Catholic and Episcopal theology. Most um, evangelical Christians, that's what Sandals you know, is, uh, and that's typically America, America's version of Christianity, 
don't believe in a thing called purgatory. And so we can talk about that at another time. So I'm just going to push that to the side and then really focus on what happens to our souls. So when you look at the word death in the Bible, we think of the word in English, death meaning end. What it really means in in the Greek is separation. So uh, death is the separation of Nick's body from his soul. So it's a tearing, it's a tearing apart. And so when you think about that, when your mom or your dad or your best friend or your husband or your wife, when they die, they're torn from you. They're taken from you. So the Bible does not believe that they, they've ended. The Bible does not teach that they cease to exist. The Bible teaches that they've been torn from you. So here's the thing, Justin. You need to know that the Bible speaks of not about one death, but of two deaths. So the death that the Bible says we want to avoid is found in Revelation, and it is called the second death. So the first death is the tearing of your soul from your body. It's the separation of what should have never happened. You were made to be soul and body. That's what you were meant to be. But just as when you sinned uh, through Adam and Eve and we sinned, our, our, our spirits are torn from God. The consequence of that is our spirits being torn from our bodies. So the second death is our spirit being torn from God forever. It's the second death. And you're thrown into what's called um, the... Uh, the eternal pit or uh, the, the lake of fire. There's all kinds of different descriptive words. Uh, Jesus calls it Gehenna, uh, you know, the place where, uh, you know, corpses just rot forever. And it's not, 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 it's never a pleasant description. Jesus says, you don't want to go there. It's better you cut your eye out, cut your arm off than ever go there. And so what your question is, it's, it's really a Western question trying to understand a Jewish mind. So in the West, we think of it either is or it isn't. It's it's either you know A or B, it's black or white, and oftentimes in Eastern minds, things are both and. And so this text is giving us a chronological order. There'll be a shout from, or the, Jesus will appear, there's a shout from heaven, then there's a trumpet, then the dead will rise, and then uh, we will be caught up with him in the air. So we think of it in a linear way, but it may, you know, it may all happen at once. And so just because you have to write things down um, you know, he's writing them in, in an order. And so I just want you to understand this. So push purgatory aside. Um, his specific question is what happens to our soul and bodies? Can you go back to that? Yeah. Do the souls come back from heaven into our bodies? And is this where people get the idea? Like, yeah. yeah. So, so purgatory, push that aside. When you die, your body is in the ground, your body's in the ground and your spirit is in heaven. So you are, you are in two places. And, and that will not come together again until Christ returns, and we will receive a resurrected body. So when you are in heaven with God, your spirit is in heaven with God, but your body is, is still here on earth, and it's awaiting uh, it to be remade. So Jesus Christ's body, when he dies, he's the first of the resurrection. He rises from the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit, and his body is transformed. So, you know, his, his dead body is renewed, and it's made right with God, and it's resurrected. And so when we die, our, our body's in the ground or, you know, whatever you do with it, you know, some people drown, some people are, you know, evaporated in some kind of explosion, uh, lost at sea. Um, that's why the book of Revelation says even the sea will give up its dead. So we're all going to come back. We're all going to stand before God. Uh, and what Paul says here is Christians will rise first. So believers will rise first. Um because it's a blessing, it's an honor, right? Just think about it, first in line, first class tickets. Uh, so if you're, if you're a follower in Christ, you, you have a first class ticket to the return of Jesus Christ because you're his, his son or his daughter. But your, your body is in the ground and your soul is in heaven. And when Christ returns, you're, you're, going, to, you're going to meet and, and you're going to be blessed and you're going to be one again with a resurrected body. And uh, you know, you're going to judge the angels, as the Apostle Paul says, we're going to join God in the judgment of all humankind uh, because we we rule with him, we reign with him, and we will judge with him. And uh, so it's fantastic. You got a question? Well, I, I'm pretty sure there's some question about this, Nick. Correct me if I'm wrong, but one of our ministry partners for Cultivate wrote in, Nicole, <laughs> and she asked about cremation in that. Right. Can you talk to... Yeah, cremation. So some, some Christians... Uh, do not believe in cremation. Uh, cremation is illegal in Israel. So that's not really? so much, yeah, it's not so much a, a theological issue for Jews. It's because of the Holocaust. 
So in the Holocaust, oh. Jews were cremated and they can't find their loved ones. And so I, this is my opinion. If you're Jewish and you're listening, you can set me straight. But I think it's a reaction to the Holocaust and, and to see the burning of, uh, of Jewish bodies as just, just an, an abhorrent practice that you wouldn't want to do. Um, so some Christians are divided on that issue. Um, you know, I, I, I think that's, that's your personal choice. Um, you know, uh, is it going to matter? That's no, the question. Like, no, does it, I mean, does it matter if your body isn't in the ground intact, if you will, for lack yeah, of a better Yeah. So Ezekiel, that, Ezekiel then. talks about dry bones rattling. So think about bones that are left in the desert. So what that, what that's a picture of somebody's died in the desert, their flesh is rotted. They've been eaten away by bugs and just their bones are left. And so the spirit is going to speak and the bones are going to come to life. And so you just have to remember this. God made Adam from the mud. So, I mean, he used mud, but he didn't need mud to create Adam. And so um, I would say whether you're, uh, you're uh, almost said circumcised, that's a whole other issue. Whether you're cremated <laughs> or not, I don't think that's an issue. I don't have a personal problem with cremation. I don't think it's dishonoring to the body. But just know there are some Christians who disagree with me, and I think that's their right. I, I, I think that's... Uh, we call this an open-handed issue. There are some things that are closed that we're not willing to debate or discuss. This is an open-handed issue where we say, look, Christians have differing opinions on that, and that's okay, and they can be passionate about them one way or the other. And so, Nicole, I would just say, I think cremation uh, is something that you should pray about, and I think that there are reasons to do that. Uh, So, like, for example, we don't share tombs anymore. So one of the issues with the reason why we cremate is we put one body in the ground and it takes up a lot of space. So what Jews would do during the time of Jesus is you owned a family tomb. And so when, when my grandpa dies, right, we put my grandpa in there and you wait for, this is gross, you wait for his flesh to rot uh, until he's just bones. Then you go back in there and you take grandpa's bones and you put them in a little tiny box and you put them in a corner in the tomb. Then my dad dies, he goes through the process. Then I die, I go through the process. Then my son dies, right? And he goes through the process and we're all buried in the same place and we're just taking up a little space because uh, it's just the bones. Nowadays, right, we bury the whole body. We put them in a gigantic casket. It costs $10,000. And so the family is having to pay the expense over and over and over again. And that's why people choose cremation because we've gotten away from, you know, family um, burials uh, there's a process that's not legal yet in California that I, I really am into, but it's a it's a natural way of dying. So in, in Seattle, they literally put you in, in the soil and they add a natural bacteria that just kind of speeds up the process and, and you basically turn into dirt and then they bury you, um, you know, somewhere, wherever you want, but you're not burned. It's It's just a speeding up of the natural decay process and I'm hoping that that will be legal soon uh, in California because I think it speaks to the environmental impact of caskets. It speaks to the financial uh, impact of of the cost of the family and your family can be buried in in one spot. So as far as I know, that's not legal yet in California, but it's something that I'm looking forward to because none of us have money to carve out a crypt anymore. So that's what they used to do in the ancient world. I was going to say, why do you think that we've gotten away from doing the big family tomb? Yeah, money. So two things, money and now we don't live together anymore. So, uh, you know, back back in the old days, especially like if you go to the south or the east coast, they'll have houses with graveyards on the property because you kept you kept the house in the family. You know, uh, homes didn't used to be investments, right? They didn't they didn't go up in price. They just, you know, they were just a house and so your family it was passed down from generation to generation and so you were buried on your the property of your home. I think that's actually illegal now, so uh, because there's so. more people. So, before we go to the next question, let's remind everyone that if you have a question right now in real time that you want to write in, I think they can put that in the chat, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just drop <laughs> that in the chat. Nick knows how that works. Um, Stephanie's on, uh, she's on there as well. She's on the chat, so she'll put it in a document. I can see it. We'll also have it here on screen for you guys. We also got some questions that were maybe not directly tied to um, the message this weekend, but also uh, kind of sit within in the space. And uh, his queen, Jesse, asks, Will the Antichrist be in politics? And I know we didn't talk about this in yeah. in, in the message. Um, can you maybe tell us where does this come from for people who don't know what that is and uh, maybe explain a bit? Yeah, so um, we, we're going to get into the Antichrist next week as we get into Matthew 24, and Jesus talks about the man of lawlessness. And yes, he will be a, a politician. He will be a political figure. 
And a lot of people believe that he's religious. I, I do not believe that he's religious. Um, I believe that he will be the opposite of religion. I think he will mock God. He will make fun of God. Uh, it's the it's the reason that he he goes into the temple and he and he sits in the seat of God. He, he's mocking God and he receives worship. Um, we'll get into that in the next week. Some of what I think. Um, and again, these are open handed issues. So please don't fire off your emails and call me a heretic. Uh, these are the things that I just think um, a lot of people have missed in terms of the description. We'll get into the number six six six, what that means and why, and we'll get into that next week. But but he will definitely be a politician, uh, probably a scientist or something like that. And if you're a scientist, I love you. It doesn't mean you. It just means I think that we're we're going to get to the place where humanity in general thinks God is ridiculous and we've moved on and graduated to something higher. And I think already as a culture, we worship science. I mean, I think that's already happening. There's a shift from uh, being a people of faith to being a people of science. And I think that's a dangerous shift. And and I think as a person of faith, you, sh- you should believe in some scientific truths, but you do not make science God. And that's that's my concern as we as we move into the future. So great question. We'll get into that next week. Should we go for this one? So you guys wrote in, what is heaven like? I always see it depicted as playing harps in the clouds, which seems boring, which I would I would agree. I yeah. think that might be nice for a moment. Yeah. I, but not yeah. indefinitely. So so let me let me go back to the text that I think that we used two weeks ago. No eye has seen, uh no no mind has imagined what the Lord has in store for those who love him. You can't imagine. And so part of the reason, um, you know. A lot of what we believe about heaven is not biblical. It's an artist's uh, understanding. It's it's a book that somebody's written. Um, you know, it's it, it's it's kind of like you know um, building your theology about what you believe it on God based upon Oprah's show. You know, Oprah's a, a great entertainer, a great person, but she's not a theologian and she doesn't understand what the Bible says. And so, um, a lot of people think that that you know that we're playing a harp. Um, you know, there's there's no text in Scripture that says we're going to play harps. David played a harp. Uh, that's a musical instrument. Uh, you know, I mean, nowadays, if we wrote it, it would be a rock concert. You know, it'd be something powerful, something amazing, uh, something incredible. So what I would do for you is I would go and read uh, Revelation 21 and 22. That gives you the best picture of what heaven will look like. Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, also gives us pictures of what heaven will look like. And here's the thing that you need to know is you will not live in heaven forever. Heaven is a temporary place where you will go as a believer for a temporary amount of time, but God has created you to live on earth forever with him. See, I think that's the thing people don't get is they think once we're not here, we're in heaven forever. Yeah, no. And the idea of the new earth, I think, is where people— yeah, so the Bible talks about a new heaven and a new earth. This is this idea is found in Peter writes about it, uh, John writes about it in Revelation, and Isaiah writes about it uh, specifically in in his book Isaiah in the Hebrew Bible. And so there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and so there will be a new life on earth, and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible, but there's still going to be work. You got to think about it. There was work, uh, there was relationships and friendships and connections before the fall, and there will be again after the fall. So just basically take take your best day. On Earth, if you're not a Christian, that's as close as you're ever going to get uh, to heaven. If you're, if you are a Christian, take your worst day on Earth. That's as close as you're ever going to get to hell as a Christian. And just know it's going to be better. It's going to be incredible. Jesus calls it paradise. So he looks to the thief next to him on the cross. He says, "Today you will be with me in paradise." And the actual um, word paradise that we translate really means garden, park. Um, you know, it's a wonderful place. It's a place that you go to relax and to have fun. And that's the word that Jesus uses. And so I'm sorry that we've made it super boring. And um, I have a question for you, though. It does say you won't be married in heaven, right? Jesus says we won't be. Are you going to be sad about that? <laughs> yeah, I did my time. <laughs> yeah, I did my time. Uh, Jesus, Jesus is specifically responding to a question by the Pharisees who don't believe in the resurrection there. And for those of you who don't know the story, um, it's about a, a woman who's married to seven brothers. God bless her soul. Uh, but it's it's a it's a fake story. Uh, it's something you know they made up to try to get Jesus. But Jesus says we will be like angels. We will neither be married nor given in marriage. And 
you know, for all of you who love your husband and your, and your, and your wife, you just need to know that, <clears throat> you know, most people through human history probably didn't enjoy their marriage. And so the idea that you're stuck with the same person forever, that you didn't have any choice on, on earth would be very discouraging for a lot of people. So, um, I just know. have a hard time for you wrapping your mind around <clears throat> the idea yeah. of paradise and also not being married. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, bring us back, Nick. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I think I think those are very, very good. There's there's a lot of questions that we got that uh, kind of sit with the, the Left Behind series and that era of yeah. Christianity in the 1970s. <clears throat> um, one thing is uh, that we got from uh, Megara42 on Instagram said, rapture isn't technically in the Bible. It's a biblical theory. Can you explain a bit more of the rapture? Yeah, so who was that question from? Uh, her name is uh, Megara42. Megara42, thank you for your question. Uh the word rapture is not in the English Bible, you're correct, but it is in the Latin Vulgate, uh, which is the second translation. So it goes Greek to Latin, and then from Latin to English, German, French, you know, all, all the languages on earth, basically. So the Greek word is harpazo, which means to be caught up. Um, and it occurs, I think I said four times in Scripture. So it is in Scripture, but it's not as rapturus, Latin, it's harpazo, but it means to be caught up. So Philip is caught up by the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. After he baptizes uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, he's caught up. Uh, he's raptured. Uh, the apostle Paul says he was caught up to the third heaven. Same word, he was raptured uh, up to heaven. Paul says in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we will be caught up. So anybody who says the word rapture is not in the Bible— is incorrect. It is in the Bible. It's just the Latin word for the Greek word harpazo that is in the Bible. So it is biblical. It is. Um, I think most people maybe have told you that because they don't believe certain things about the rapture. And so um, certain aspects, the Left Behind series, the specifics, um, you know, like if you grew up Calvary Chapel, you know, they have whole, you know, just truckload of theology on the rapture, uh, but a lot of other Christians don't. So, but to say that it's not biblical is to say that Paul didn't say what he just said, that there will be the appearing of the Lord Jesus, there will be a shout from heaven, the dead in Christ will rise, the trumpet will sound, and we will be caught up with him in the air. That is the word rapture. So that that's why I say it's biblical. So I think that's a great question, but I'm giving you the verse. That's where it is right there, and you can look it up for yourself if maybe. When you were a kid, did you did you see that? Like that era that you're talking about, um, those movies, they would have us watch. I think it was called This Present Darkness or oh, yeah. About That. Did you ever watch that? No, I did not. I did. I did. I, like, Do you remember I, that? Yeah, evening services for the for the church that I was, was it was all about end times, was all about revelations, and so that was— for for the longest time, I thought that was the gospel. I thought the end yeah. was the gospel. Uh -huh. Same. So, so That's why. Yeah. 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 So your church would be like Calvary Chapel, yes. uh, premillennial, mm -hmm. pre-trib, pre-trib. What would it have been? Pre-trib, millennial. I forget. So they're very, very. You know, Nick's church would have been very, very specific. Uh, they got it all figured out. They know yep. exactly what's happening, and. Do you, you know, still feel a little <clears throat> scarred, though, from those movies? Well, the thing is, because I believed evangelism was talking about in times, the first time that I evangelized as a young child was to another another child, and I let them know, hey, the end is the end is near. And yeah. so, like, that's what it came out. And so it left me with this impression of, like, it, Christianity was scary. Yeah. So uh -huh. um, yeah. So that, that was the first. And then hearing what you had to say was so good because it wasn't sensationalized. Yeah. And we, you, you stuck to the Gospels and the epistles, and it just helps to bring some clarity that this is not scary. And so yeah, I, no. I really appreciated that. It's a wonderful day. It's something that we should look forward to. It's something we should be excited about. Um, you know, the thing I wish I would have talked about, and maybe I'll talk about it in two weeks, but there's so many of you who are engaged and your wedding's been canceled mm -hmm. and your heart is broken. And my heart goes out to all of you so many of our church, you know, they, they want to get married and they're not, um, they're, they're not able to do so right now legally. And just know that when Christ returns, it's a wedding. And it's something that we should be looking forward to. It's something we should be excited about. And it's going to be amazing. And it shouldn't be <clears throat> scary for those who are right with God. For those who are not right, they need to get right. So 
I think that's one of the reasons I love that you chose to have this conversation because I think, you know, when this started happening and everyone was messaging <clears> us <throat> that, that's what they're feeling like. They're, yeah. They were they were consumed with a great deal of fear. And I think that this is an opportunity to say, like, yeah. it's it's a valuable conversation, but not a place to be fearful. Because like people with ideas, like Nick and I both share from childhood, if that's your impression of it, it is a very scary <clears throat> thing. I think some people wrote that yeah. in even. Um, and so I think the conversation is valuable. Do you want to pause and go through this one that they're asking real quick? Do you want to stay on signs for a minute? I don't care. Yeah, let's take this one. Okay, you guys are writing in right now. My husband is a high five, that's the observer, and eight, the challenger. I really want to be serving him, but his personality is so challenging and disconnected at times. How can I be there for him during this time without being overly smothering? That's a great question. You know, remember that um, before you get into it, with the Enneagram, so for those of you who are not aware of what the number five or eight is. It's the personality typing of the Enneagram. The five is the observer, and the eight is, is a very challenging person. Five being the wise, they want information. Remember, we're all a makeup of our best parts and our most challenging parts. And times like we're in, you know, where we don't necessarily feel safe, secure, loved, have the answers, that's when the challenging parts come out. So, of course, you're experiencing that in him right now, that five needing to know all the information, withdrawing into self, the eight feeling like there's a lack of control. You've even experienced yeah. that. You have a lot of eight in you. So of course you're going to be experiencing that side. My two cents is just remember he's not only that. What you're seeing on the outside and how you're experiencing him on the outside mm -hmm. is a picture for you that he's probably really struggling on the inside. Yeah. What do you say to that? Yeah, I would just say I wish you would have told us what your numbers were. So both <clears throat> both both the five and the eight are highly independent. Highly independent. Yeah. And so the eight is going to act like there isn't a problem, they're in charge, and the five is going to withdraw into thoughts, emotions, and feelings. And so uh what what I would encourage you to do is just say, I feel like you're disconnected. That's what the five does. The five disconnects um <clears throat> in the eight challenges and act like it doesn't bother them. And so what I would just say is, how can I be there for you? Because I feel so disconnected from you. I would just literally take your question to us and I would phrase it to him and just know that the eight is probably going to reject you and come at you. And the five is going to need to withdraw and figure out how they're feeling. And so I would just say something like this, you know, um, I feel disconnected from you. Can you take some time and get back to me tomorrow as to why you feel like this is happening. And here's the thing, Alejandra, I think we're all trying to figure this out. Mm -hmm. This is weird. This this yeah. this new normal is just so weird for all of us. And I, I feel like I was doing good until Sunday. And then I missed church. I missed like being here. I was like, okay, I, I'm done with this. Mm -hmm. um, I think at the start <clears> of your <throat> question also is whatever your numbers are, to be thinking about what the stress of this and the weirdness of She's this. Oh, okay, four. two and a four. So the helper, so you're gonna you're gonna hyper want to probably control in this to help find some security while he's like not wanting to be controlled by nature yeah. of the eight and then all in the feelings of the four. So by nature, you're probably both of you are experiencing that. So I know it's good for me when I feel hypersensitive or critical of Matt to remember that he too is experiencing my stuff and that's not always a party. <laughs> yeah, wait, I didn't hear that. What did she say, Nick? Wait, did everybody hear that? <laughs> you know, you're both. And so, and, and we've had that. We've, I'm sick, so I get real fearful, want to be overly prepared. Um, I'm also high one, so I want everybody, you know, all five of us in the house for five weeks now. And I think there's a way everybody should be doing everything. You know, I'm like wanting to, so I'm having to remember to relax. It's weird times. All of our stuff is coming out. We've had a lot of a time together. We've even had to just say like, we need a reset today. I've had to have the reset conversation with my adult kids. Um, so I, I just think that's what you need to say is like, Ask how you're being experienced, but Thank also, you. you know, how, remember how you're experiencing him. So there's a lot in that. One That's a great, it's there. a great question. Oh, we have, 
we have questions for about five hours of the okay. show. Yeah. yeah. So um, we got we have a lot of questions. Um, Let, let's go with some of it from the yeah. series. Still. So uh, I'm thinking this might be Diane Huntsman asks after the rapture occurs. Is that when the tribulation period actually starts and those left on earth have the opportunity to come to Christ still, but will it'll be consequential for them to do so? Can you clarify about post-rapture? Yeah, so Diane, I love you. Uh, she's my little Calvary Chapelite. I uh, appreciate you. Um, you know, Calvary Chapel, you've been raised in pre-trib rapture, um, you know, kind of that left behind series, right? So like you're you're on an airplane, your pilot is raptured up, there's nobody left to fly the plane. <laughs> you know, it's just, that Kirk Cameron <coughs> movie messed with me. <laughs> yeah, it's just terrifying. And so here, here's the problem I have with all of that stuff. When you look at 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, verse 16, there's no way that I can read that and go, nobody knows what's happening. Like, like I don't see any mystery there. Like, there's a shout from heaven. There's a trumpet from God. Christ appears. We're raptured. The de dead people rise. Like, I don't think there's like this big mystery. Um, and so, you know, n nobody knows. And so, uh, you know, the tribulation is, is a time of great suffering. Jesus says that it, it's a time like uh, n no one has ever experienced. And, and you just have to think that, you know, believers have historically experienced some really terrible times. Uh, specifically Christians and Jews uh, in Jerusalem in AD 70 when Rome surrounded them. And, you know, uh, if you got children listening, cover their ears. But, you know, people ate their babies. Like, I can't imagine being that hungry to where that's an option. So things have been pretty bad before. Um, you know, uh, he, here's what I see in Revelation, Diane, uh, whether there's pre, whether you're pre, mid, or post-tribulation, People just don't seem to get it no matter what happens. Uh, like, so for example, during this time, you know, church attendance has spiked online, but so has porn. Like, so, so people, when they're stressed out, when they're worried, when they're afraid, some people turn to God, some people turn even more heavily to their vices. And so what I see in the book of Revelation, Diane, is very few people get saved. There are very few people that come to Jesus their hearts are continually hardened. Mm. They get more angry at God, um, you know, uh, preparing for Armageddon, the final battle. Um, we, 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 just, we just don't know, uh, you know, everything. You just got to know John is speaking in code um, in the book of Revelation, in the book of Daniel. Everybody thinks they understand the book of Daniel. If you read through book of Daniel, I just want you to circle the amount of times Daniel says, and I didn't know what that meant. So he's the, he's the guy that wrote it. And we got all these people who tell us what, what he meant. And he says, I don't, I don't know what it meant. Um, so we just need to remember that, you know, these, these apocalyptic visions are, are visions. They're difficult to understand. Uh, you know, revelation was so problematic for the early church, uh, that, that, that moved away from Catholicism. You know, uh, Martin Luther talked about getting rid of it. He's just like, yeah, I don't know what to do with that book. So, um, just be very careful with people who say they got it all figured out. But what I would say is, I, I think there's there's hope to, to to the very end. I hope and pray that there's an opportunity for people to get saved afterwards. I, I think that's a difficult position to hold. Um, you know, I tend to lead towards, uh, there's a shout from heaven, uh, the dead in Christ rise, we meet him in the air, and that's the end. That That's, that's where I, I, I tend to look at that. I have a I have a hard time believing in all of these things that happen after that. Um, you know, I, I tend to believe that the rapture happens and, the, and then there's judgment. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not room, uh, you know, for things to happen and, and people to finally try to mount to great attack against God. And, you know, uh, hopefully we'll be in heaven and we won't be eyewitnesses to what, you know, what takes place on earth. Um, you know, here's where Calvary Chapel's right. The wrath of God is not for believers. It's just not. And so when the wrath of God is poured out on people, that is for people who have rejected him. And we don't need to fear that. We, we've been loved by God and cared for by God. But it doesn't mean as we approach the end that things won't get really, really terrible and really, really awful. So great question, Diane. Uh, really appreciate that. I would say uh, if, if you're somebody who, who resonates with, with that point, if you're struggling right now with a vice, um, you don't know what to do, you, you want to talk to somebody, you can go to move.sc slash help. Um, our ministry, uh, our soul care ministry is still about helping people and yeah. communicating with you. So we're still here. If you want to connect with somebody and, uh, on, a, on, a, on a deeper level, we can, we can do that. Yeah. You want to take this one? So Jessica, who's watching on YouTube, says, I have a question about Trinity. 
How can you, or can you explain that to me? Because the word is not in the Bible also just like rapture. Okay, like I explained, the word rapture is in the Bible. It's harpazo. Uh, it is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. It's also found in the book of Acts. It's found in the book of Corinthians. I think it's it's it's, it's four times, so I, I feel like I've answered that. The word Trinity is not in the Bible. Uh, but what we do have in the Bible is we clearly have God the Father. We have uh, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. So here's, uh, Jessica, um, why I think you need to accept the Trinity is the Bible teaches there's one God who exists in three persons, God the Father who has a son. Now, some people reject the divinity of Jesus, but that would be like this. I have one, we have one son. If I introduced you to Ethan, our son, he's 17 years old, none of you would think that he's anything but human, right? He's my one and only son. When Jesus says that he's the son of the Father, the Jewish leaders knew exactly what he meant. And so they try to kill him. And it's not because he's he's some he's a philosophical son of God or he's a child of God or we're all the children of God. Jesus is saying, I'm the unique son of God and there is no other. I'm God's one and only son. What he's claiming is equality with God. And so they want to kill him for it. He's blaspheming. So they understood exactly what he was saying. Uh, Jesus is worshiped by Thomas. He says, I will not believe until I, I put my, my hands in, in his hand and in his side. Jesus appears, Thomas touches his hand, touches his side, and he said, you are my Christ and my God. You are my God. And he worships him. Um, you know, Jehovah Witnesses change that word uh, from worship to another word to try to soften it, but it's worship. He worships him. Hebrews chapter one, uh, the son is worshiped in a way that angels are not. First, uh, uh, Colossians chapter one, Jesus is the co-creator. All things were made by him, for him, and all things are held together through him. He's, he's God. Uh, also in Genesis chapter one, you know, most of you believe God creates the heavens and the earth. It's the spirit who hovers. The spirit is hovering above the earth. The spirit's creating. The spirit is active. Uh, the spirit of God dwells within us. It's God's presence within us. So we have God the Son, God the Spirit, God the Father. And so that's where the word triunity comes from. One God who exists in three persons. I can't explain it. All I can tell you is when you read the Bible, for you to reject the Trinity is to reject the Godhood of the Spirit, which I don't think you can do. You have to reject the Godhood of the Son, which I don't think you can do. Uh, and then you have to make God the Father alone. He's all alone. He's by himself. And for God to be love, as John says, love exists within the context of relationship. So God is eternally love, love of Father, love of Son, love of Spirit. They work together in perfect harmony and community. And that's just who God is. And so I, I hope that helps. Um, you know, this week, we, we uh, I think I gave Second uh, Timothy, son, not Second Timothy, Titus 2.11, there we go. Sorry, my, I don't have my notes in front of me, but it says we, we look forward to the appearing of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's one of the most powerful statements of the divinity of Jesus. We look forward to the appearing, wait for it, of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's both our great God and he's our Savior. <clears throat> That's a good question, though, because I think a lot of yeah. people probably are curious about that same thing. So, uh, while we're while we're on that, um, from Instagram, uh, I think it's uh, one Obachan says, "I have a Christian friend who believes Allah and God are the same." I say no, but can you help me explain? <clears throat> yeah. Um. So, so there's this idea, right, that God's God. So that's why whenever you hear a politician pray, they pray in the name of God. So, so the name God is the generic name of God. So in the Bible, the generic name of God is Elohim just means the God, like the God who's up there, the, the God who made everything. And then God has a specific name that Jews will not say, and it is uh, uh, Yehovah uh, or Yahweh, you know. So the W in Hebrew, the V and the W in Hebrew are interchangeable. So it can be wa or va. So that's why you get Yahweh or Yehovah. So nobody knows. But here's the thing. Jews never read that word. They say Adonai. So it's really confusing if you're if you're if you're reading 
um, uh, like say, say the ironic blessings. We've been singing that song, may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. So when you read it in Hebrew, it says Yahweh, but they say Adonai. So they won't speak his name. So uh, so God has a, a, a generic name. So when a Muslim and a Christian are talking about the one true God, I think it's okay to use that term. Yeah, yeah there's only one God. We can agree on that. But when we talk about who God is, Muslims reject specifically that God has a son. And here's what Jesus said. If you do not believe in me, you do not believe in the Father. He says, if you reject me, you've rejected the Father. So Jesus says, you don't have the same God. So that's what I would say is, God either has a son or he does not have a son. And that is the differentiating factor between Islam, uh, Judaism, and Christianity. So all three of those religions come from Abraham. So Abraham, right, believes in the, the one God. So in a sense, it's correct, but in a specific sense, it's not correct. So I would say we believe in the generic name of God, but the specific name of God, the name of God that has been revealed to us, God the Father for us as Christians, is revealed only through God the Son. So um, so would that be a <clears throat> clarifying question Then they would ask then their Muslim friend is like, well, tell me what you mean. Like how— like how do they Yeah, yeah, I would just say I would just say we agree that there is one God. We disagree on who that God is. And that's how I would say that. So um but but don't try to alienate them, you know, mm-hmm. into um, you know, put push them away. Try to draw them in. There is one God. And and so even like in the Middle East, I believe I'm not some someone needs to look this up, but I believe when you translate the Bible into Arabic, I think when you see the word God, it is Allah. I don't know. Can somebody who who can speak Arabic tell me that? I'm not sure. So, yeah, great question. <laughs> oh, you want to answer this one from Eli on YouTube? Will we be equals to angels in paradise? Yeah, that I don't know. Um, so, so the Bible says that we were created a little lower than the angels. So my first answer is no. But then it also says that we will mm-hmm. judge fallen angels. Mm-hmm. So then my second answer is maybe. I don't know. And that's the answer on that, Eli. Thank you, Eli. <laughs> we got a we got an interesting one. Um, it's from Brittany Noel on Instagram. She she asks, is it true that the Latin root for quarantine is 40? Is there any correlation to how 40 is previously used in the Bible when things happen for 40 days or 40 years with this COVID situation? Yeah, I don't know that there's any correlation at all between the word quarantine and 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 the Bible. So Latin comes post-biblical. Um, so uh, you know, so it's it's a language that becomes the dominant language after Christ. So that's why the Bible is written in Greek, because Greek it was the English of the day. So English is the dominant language in our world today. During the time of Jesus, English, or excuse me, Greek was the dominant word. In the centuries that followed, Latin becomes the dominant language for, I don't know, 1,500 years uh, until English kind of takes over as the dominant language. So the word quarantine does come from Latin. It does mean 40. Um, oh, shoot. I, I looked it up earlier. Quat, quatranino or quatrando or something is 40 uh, in, in Latin. Uh, and but so, it's a reference, right? Yeah, it's a reference initially, the word yeah. quarantine was you were isolated for 40 days. So you're right in that it comes from Latin. I don't think there's a correlation to the Bible for 40 days, but man, I could be wrong. That's another open-handed issue. Great question. And I wish I was an expert on all world languages, but I'm not. That would be cool. Uh, Matthew Toma uh, on Instagram, um, he asks this question, what is the, what are the main things God will judge us on besides accepting Jesus as Lord? What is, what does judgment mean? Yeah. So, so there, so there really are two judgments, um, you know, on the day of judgment. And so the first judgment is what did you do with Jesus Christ? Right. And that's, that's really the, the biggest deal. So, so that depends on, on where you go forever, heaven uh, or hell, right? So the wages of sin is death, the Bible says, but uh, the free gift of life is found in Jesus Christ. And so, so, so that's the other thing. But here's where a lot of Christians don't understand is uh, we will still be judged. Our life, our life we're still going to be held accountable for what we did. And that's why when we get into this series, I'm going to focus on the parable of, of the, um, the virgins waiting the bridegroom. And um, I think it's really important that we look at that because it's an end times parable 
where Jesus is saying, you need to be diligent and you need to be ready and you need to be faithful to what he's called you to do. So I, I am not going to go to hell because I've placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but my life will be judged. God is going to look at my life, how I lived, what did I do, and I will face judgment. And part of the issue, I think, when you look at your Bible, I would go to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, okay? What I think that means is not that we will not be judged. It means that we will not be sentenced to eternal death. That's that's what that's the way I interpret it. Now there may be people that 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 interpret that word differently, but if if somebody goes to prison and they're condemned, I would say they're condemned to death. So they're they've been given the death penalty. And then others are just judged in a more lightly sentence. So as Christians, we will not be condemned, but we will be judged. So 2 Corinthians 5:10 says we Christians not, not non-Christians, we will all stand before the judgment throne of Christ, and we, Nick, Tammy, and Matt, will be judged for both the good and bad we've done on this earth, in the body, whether good or bad. That, that's that's uh, the verse. And um, I'm passionate about this because uh, the new Broadman Holman's Standard Bible translated that word, that, that verse incorrectly, and I, I pointed that out to a couple of my friends who know people who are on the translation committee, and I said, look, you guys didn't translate that right. And, and the reason they didn't translate it right is because they feel like there's no judgment for Christians. And I was like, whoa, you, you need to look at that. And so you do not need to fear eternal death. That is not a question. You will not receive the death penalty because of Christ. You still will be judged for how you lived and what you did. Were you faithful? And so here's the, here's the positive side on that. For all of you who give so faithfully, you give to the kingdom you take a portion of what you've received, you give it to the church, you give it to missionaries, you bless the poor. Jesus says all that will be magnified a hundredfold, a hundred times. So you're going to be blessed. There's going to be rewards that are given out. It's not just judgment, but there's going to be rewards for the good things that we did, the sacrifices, um, you know, where we said we, we said no to ourselves, you know, and this is what I encourage, you know, our, our gay community at Sandals Church. So think about it. these people have denied themselves uh, sex. They, they've denied themselves spouses. They've denied themselves all kinds of things uh, on earth. They're going to get rewards that far exceed what, what I've sacrificed sexually on earth, and they're going to receive blessings that I can't imagine because they trusted God, and, and God's going to honor that. Um, and so so that's what, what I would just say. And I that. think that's a conversation we've had before as we just navigate ministry world and even just ministering to right. people is that people wrestling with this idea of everything's covered in grace. So no matter how I live, mm-hmm. I'm good. Right. And there's a truth to that, but also, yeah. you know, there is that reality of like how you live still matters. And mm-hmm. I know we've had that conversation with a lot of people of, you know, the, the pendulum of everything's covered no matter how I live to like, yeah. total works and and in between. And so do you want to like just Yeah, so here's what's covered. The wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. But the gift of God is eternal life. So what you deserve when you stand before God is is death. Jesus will step in and 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 Matt Brown is condemned to die for his sins. Jesus will step in and say, "But Father, I died for Matt." Okay? Now 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 we, the death penalty is off the table. Now we get to look at Matt Brown's life. What did Matt Brown do with the gifts that he was given, the talents that he was given? What did he do with his mind? What did he do with his body? What how, Was he generous? Did he grow? Uh, was he sacrificial in the way that he lived? And, um, you know, and then those things will will be weighed and, um, and I will be measured by God. And, um, you know, a lot of people say, you know, the Bible is all about God's love. I think a lot of the Bible is about God's love, but if you look at the Bible, it's about the day of judgment. From beginning to end, it is moving towards this day where we stand before God and we are held accountable for how we lived. And uh, the Apostle Paul, who is the author of Saved by Grace and you know this idea that it's unmerited and undeserved and there's nothing you can do to earn it, or I mean, he's the one that creates that. He clearly states that we will be held accountable, we will be judged, um, you know, he's, he says that we all need to be prepared for that. And when you look at Jesus, 
Oftentimes, when he talks about judgment, he is not talking about lost people. He's talking about believers who abused their positions, didn't do what they were told, and when he returned, his servants were unfaithful. So you need to really, really pay attention to that because they're not non-believers. They're believers who weren't faithful. So That's really, really good. Um, love to love to transition a bit up to talk about spiritual life in quarantine um, as, as we kind of wrap up. Uh, Cassie, she writes in, she says, my husband has been suffering from a deep depression lately due to quarantine, and uh, he suffered depression and anxiety most of his life. He is a five wing four on the Enneagram. He started working from home recently, and I think the isolation from coworkers and friends has been taking a toll on him. Um, she says she believes her husband has all the right tools to deal with the depression, um, but she's also looking for uh, how, how can he how can he kind of get out of that depression um, and any encouragement for the spouses of somebody who's... Yeah, what I would encourage you as a spouse is encourage him to uh, call your doctor immediately uh, because, I mean, there are, there are chemical imbalances that people have and those are real things. If I have a broken arm, you know, I, it's okay if Nick prays for my arm, but after we pray and it's still broken, I'm going to go to the doctor and I'm going to get it fixed. So the first thing that you need to do is you need to ask God for healing. Uh, then you need to go to the doctor and say, okay, what are some other things that we can do? And this, I, I have felt in a funk. I mean, I, I've been in a funk for a couple of days for multiple reasons. And I'm one of those people that's, you know, like when you guys watch me on, on, on church on Sundays, right? I'm all up. And then afterwards I'm like, I'm terrible, you know, and that's just, that's just who I am. And so, um, so I would say, get help, have a real conversation about it. No judgment for him, but just say, I love you. Here's what I'm seeing. And uh, it just shows you that we're created for people. And even for those of you who thought you didn't like people that much, now you're like, okay, I'm ready to, I'm ready to connect. So great question. Well, another part of that too would be encourage him or maybe help try to arrange, which is something we've done, you know, like FaceTimes, yeah. encourage him to reach out to a friend, reach out, Zoom people, you know, any, anything like that, because I think there are, you have to be more intentional, but there are ways to still be connecting during this time. I know our community group, we've, we had a hard time figuring out Zoom. Yeah, we figured it out. <laughs> um, but we're figuring it out. But individually, there was a lot of connecting happening. We've been trying to do that intentionally for, this, for the same very reason. So I think if you already struggle, then this is greater you know, pe- some people don't struggle mm. and they're struggling now because these are yeah. really weird times. Definitely. Well, guys, thank you so much for, for tuning in. Um, we would love to see you on the weekend, live.sandalschurchtv. Invite some friends and family. And if you have any questions, you can send those in at debrief.show. See ya. Yeah. Love you guys. Bye.